1: Can you hear me? Ring,
2: ring, ring, Can ring, you hear ring. me? Mike, 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 mike. Check, Can check. Can you check, hear check, me?
1: Check. Number 9? Number 9?
2: Am I too young? Am I too stupid? Which one is it? Well, I don't think it's too stupid. You are pretty legendary. I am. It's true.
1: Good afternoon everyone and welcome to the Toronto. Oh, look at what just happened there.
2: Good afternoon,
1: everyone, and welcome to the Canadian Real Estate Show. My name is Daryl, and I'm a real estate developer.
2: My name's TK. I'm a realtor. we got another great show for you guys today. And just before we get started, you know, if you get anything from this podcast, all right, anything at all, even just, you know, a headache, please help us by subscribing to our show smash that like button and ring the bell for updates i promise when you ring that bell you will find out more about real estate than any other bell that has ever been run if you are listening to us on a podcast um network leave us a review check out my instagram at armbar broker daryl where can they find you you
1: can check out my twitter at frankfort report all right tk
2: daryl daryl where it did we is, find where did we find each other
1: i have no idea if people my only goodness. knew my, my goodness. goodness it would explain a lot that's for damn sure it definitely would <laughs>
2: what basement did we stroll into right? oh
1: my god well it it's is another a sunday
2: beautiful sunday yeah another sunday I my love
1: mom's it. birthday a couple of days happy ago birthday was my daughter's Mrs. birthday Frankfort,
2: happy birthday yes. M- ms frankfort
1: yes Nineteenth birthday, hitting the town, hitting the bottle, wow. lots wow. of fun, lots of fun. My little
2: baby, careful. careful. You never know. She doesn't have to, uh, you know, use that fake ID anymore. If she did, no more. maybe she didn't. I don't know. It's but good. either way, yeah. we got another, we got another show. We got this cool show. One thing that I noticed is that not a lot of people, all right, not a lot of people are ringing the bell, Daryl. Okay, so if you're watching, subscribe. A lot of if subs. Like the content, like the video, comment in the comment section ring the bell we ring are going to reveal the bell special information for anybody who rings that bell every single week so right now just take take your finger move it over to wherever your little bell is and ring that bell
1: this was rated the number 1 Canadian real estate show titled the Canadian real estate show in all yep. of Canada all well over, that's why you're so informed
2: that yeah. is why
1: you're so informed and
2: such a great realtor how well, I, about i got a lot of time on my hands now to do so because oh. sales oh. are down daryl sales are down sales are down i got a lot of oh. time on my hands i, the market I don't need is to be out there everywhere. anymore yeah i'm gonna i'm just gonna probably take up like pottery or something like that how are you gonna
1: make money in the next couple of years
2: um well it's definitely not my bitcoin I can tell you that much, right? It's definitely not any of those other investments that have, that have been wheeling and dealing since this pandemic started. Um, but what I can tell you, I sold is that, my Shiba
1: Inu, I sold it all. <laughs> you
2: got out. You got out <laughs> billions. Oh. Uh, I can definitely tell you this. Close there's, there's still a good, strong seller's market. You can still sell your property if you want to sell and you are motivated to sell. You can sell. But if you're going to say to yourself, I'm only going to sell if I can get as much as Jim or more than Jim got for his house, my neighbor, then I got I got some bad news for you.
1: You have some unless, reality, unless reality Jim
2: sold in 2013. You're not going to get more than Jim. Right. If he sold in. Are we March going back that February, far? No, I'm, I'm exaggerating. But if you if if Jim, if Jim sold his house in January, February or March, there's a good chance that you may not be able to hit that number again, right? Especially if Jim listed it for six ninety nine dollars and sold it for a million. So here's my little uh, anecdotal evidence this week. So uh, Curtis, it was a townhouse guy, called me up. I had to go see him yesterday. And it was like, you know, interior unit, uh, three bedrooms, two and a half baths, single car garage, unfinished basement, cookie cutter properties they are about five years old. They're all the same. Unless you're an end unit, you don't have anything special or you finished your basement. That's it. Everything else is just very builder, very normal. So one guy listed for $6.99. January 31st, sold for, drum roll, Daryl, Curtis Townhouse, $1 million. Where the fuck is Curtis again? Yeah, it's far. It's past Oshawa, the next municipality. It's part of Clarington. It's east, east of, Oshawa. of Oshawa. Yes. Is that okay. still Canada? It's part of Canada. All right. Yeah. They may speak French out there, but either way. It's Canadian now. In a Curtis, million dollars for a these, townhouse. For a townhouse, January thirty first, twenty twenty two. Another townhouse was listed for six ninety nine in the beginning of April. What do you think happened?
1: Nine forty eight.
2: They did not get any offers that were sufficient for their expectations, and they've relisted it at eight ninety nine, one hundred thousand dollars less. About. A week and a half ago, offers any time. Okay. April 17th, another townhouse gets listed for $6.99. And they say, we understand the market conditions have changed. Six ninety nine dollars 99 now? Same same price, $6.99. This has been the listing price strategy in this townhouse complex for the last six months. There's a bunch of sales. Sold price $806,000, April 17th. 2022. So. Didn't you say 20%. $8.99 before? That was we another rewind this. Can we that rewind this? That was another this? townhouse. That guy's still sitting there at $8.99.
1: So how many townhouses did we just discuss? Three? Three.
2: One okay. sold for a million. One's listed at $8.99, not moving. Not Can't moving. get that price that they want. The other guy said, I'll take the market. What's going on? What's the best I can get? Listed at $6.99, sold for 806." dollars $8. I would
1: love thousand. to know what their... Um, all like situations were not not even bedrooms, the,
2: not the three, housing Two and a half baths, single no, but like garage, the people, unfinished the basements. people
1: Did somebody like buy a house and had to get into the new house and couldn't afford to carry two houses. Did somebody say, like, I don't need to sell this thing? I don't give a shit if I don't get my million bucks. I'm not selling because I don't got nowhere
2: to go. If and you're listing just to get the money, you're probably not going to take 200 The other guy's like, what neighbor. the fuck
1: do we care? This shit is from all the cocaine we've been selling overseas. Like, just sell it for anything.
2: <laughs> well, here, I hope he's got a lot of cash because if he's going to go to the bank now, because he's maybe closing soon. I didn't, I didn't look at the closing date. Maybe from. he's closed already. Where, <laughs> where, <laughs> where is he going to get the shortfall in appraisal? Because the bank now will look at that and say, whoa, another one just went for 800. Raise it at eight hundred. Eight hundred. You got to cover the two hundred k shortfall. So now it's a matter it's of not, is, close. Are
1: people not going to the appraisers and going like, um, so three weeks ago this thing was a million bucks, right? Yeah. What what but happened, not, buddy? Not what, not what are you doing?
2: The, the appraiser has to stand by his. Uh, How much did you buy it for? Yeah, that gets sounds about court. right. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: a million bucks you paid. Yeah, I think this thing's worth like a million five dollars. No, and you guys chance. got a good deal.
2: Now, we got a guest today, Daryl. Well, it's been we got, a couple of weeks. We got stuff to discuss.
1: We do. We do. We have we stuff to
2: discuss. Let's bring him in. You want to bring him in? Absolutely.
1: That's probably the smartest next move to make here. All right.
2: Drum roll. Drum roll. Did that work? Did that work? Joining.
1: I did it, TK. I did it there he is
2: welcome welcome hello how are you
0: hey good how about yourself
2: good good we're glad to catch you today everything's uh, going smoothly so far so welcome how's your sunday going awesome yeah just getting started just getting started (laughs) (laughs) that's good that's okay so you got to start somewhere Uh, unfortunately it's with us but you know maybe it'll get better from here not
0: the best way to start (laughs) the day unfortunately (laughs) Oh no, come on guys. You guys are good. Uh, anyways, if, if we're talking about real estate, it's a good uh, start to the day. That's so. right. That'll get your juices like
1: flowing, won't it? Hopefully Especially these subject. days. Hopefully right. that
2: subject. I want to introduce you a little bit here, yes. Quentin. So, um I met Quentin uh, uh this would have been maybe 10 years ago at the Durham uh, real estate investment network group, okay? So, Quentin has been actively in the real estate investment circles for many, many years. He's got a group that he runs. He's got a podcast, Uh, you know, he runs his real estate business, obviously. Um, Here's a little website there. Thank you, Daryl. And by far, wealth and knowledge author, very successful author. He's got some great books uh, that we'll post uh, links to so that people can educate themselves. And uh, really just somebody passionate about educating people and getting people information about real estate investment. And you're the kind of guy we want to talk to, Quentin. So thanks for joining us.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've uh, I've written a couple books uh, for sure. It, actually, one of them isn't on there. It's the Scaling Up Toolbox book. I, I don't make that available publicly, but the other uh, five books are available on uh, Amazon. So,
2: Who's uh, that book for? Who's the secret book for?
0: That book is for members and uh, it's... It really discusses uh, how I do a lot of my money raising. Like I've um, I've raised uh, quite a quite a bit from accredited investors over the last few years. Uh, we uh, I own uh, about ninety eight million in real estate assets in Ontario and another couple million in the U S. What you say ninety eight million? Yeah, that's right. That's it.
2: He's going to get to a hundred <laughs> soon. He's what have you been
1: doing soon. with your life?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been good. 98 million, wow. Yeah, so I own from- you couldn't have done uh,
1: like 2 million more before the show
0: started or
1: lied about it or like- uh, honestly.
0: No, no. I'm too honest to lie about stuff. So uh, James- You'll had, get there.
2: Something let's something start something this again.
1: 100 million <laughs> in real estate. This guy's a champ. No,
0: June uh, 2000, well, this year we're closing on a, um, a 94 unit building. So that'll bring us to- a uh, just over that's a 17 million dollar asset so that'll bring us up to a uh, million 15 and i've got another couple build a uh, 16 unit and a 20 unit closing in august so that's another 10 million there so should be good my my goal this year is uh, 50 million in assets to close on and uh so i'll be at about 35 million with the assets that we have under contract right now for for closing and as long as i continue to do what i'm doing i should be on track to get that uh, 50 million this year well look
1: awesome. at that so 98 million till now and then he's gonna add another 50 percent this year this is the goal this is not yeah. like uh this is this is a very 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 exponential growth factor here. That's amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's worked out well. I mean, I, um, I guess when you re- figure it out. Yeah, and, and really, it's about finding the right products and then carrying out the business plan. And have done, I've been doing it for so long. I've been working with partners since like two thousand and nine, and so uh, I've got a great track record. and And so that really helps when it comes to this. I've done full cycle on a lot of projects, and so it's been a lot of fun. Two thousand and nine.
1: Uh, so hold on a sec. So thirteen years it took you to accumulate ninety eight million dollars worth of real estate.
0: I would say 2008 really. I my first project was in 2004, but it took me about 5 years before, or 4 years before I started to actually get into more stuff. I did like a pre-con house, and it took a while for me to get comfortable. And then 2008, I started to scale. I was buying four or five properties a year, really in the one to four unit properties. And then, in about, uh, I quit my job. I was a teacher, uh, public school teacher for a long time. I have. Oh, you could be prime minister. (laughs) <laughs> Apparently, I, I wasn't a drama teacher, so I, I couldn't. Oh, okay. okay. Sorry, Sorry. 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 Then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I was going to get into administration, but uh, in 2014, I left, and I've been a full-time uh, entrepreneur, real estate entrepreneur, ever since. And just continue to scale my portfolio and and grow. And you know, I'm really, I really enjoy what I'm doing now, and I, I just want to continue to to do it as long as it the numbers make sense and you know everything makes sense about it we we have a great portfolio um, very active investor I've written six books so I've done a few things I've around I've been around the corner a couple times and I, I I like the topics that you like you talk about you know with regards to kind of bigger picture macro and microeconomic stuff so yeah you know, I'm happy to discuss whatever you guys want to get into I've, I've I've heard it and done it. So we
2: <laughs> well, love it. We love it. And I just kind of want to highlight something quick before we get into stuff, just a little bit more about Quentin, right? Is everybody's got this picture in their head, this sort of limiting factor, like in order for me to take on these big assets, these large portfolios, these, you know, 94 unit bill, whatever it is, they think, oh, I got to be, you know, institutional investor. I got to have, you know, some sort of, you know, you know, connection or, or have some sort of generational wealth behind me. You started out with. Like you said, under four-unit residential properties, buying them up, duplexes, triplexes, zero properties exactly. Built it up slowly, gain the knowledge, gain the experience, built up your reputation, built up your real estate investment uh, business, gain the trust of accredited investors. And I've just watched you now scale up. Only in the last couple of years that I know about, you know, you've really just been scaling up huge. Just the 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 size of these assets that you're buying now are at the at the the highest level from you know the real estate investment residential side. And uh, that, that's something that I think anybody who's listening right now should understand that if you're a real estate investor and these are your goals, one, buy some of Quinton's books to find out how he did it, but two, be persistent, you know, stay, stay in the game, learn more, educate yourself, get to the point where mm-hmm. you're, uh, you know, you're, you're, your asset is your knowledge and your experience and you'll have no, no problems attracting the money, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you could you could take everything away from me and start me again somewhere else, and I could rebuild the same thing, probably faster and better than I, I did the, the last time because I've got the the knowledge to be able to do that and you can't take that away from for me my my goal with the the books is to pass on as much of the knowledge as i can to my kids actually it was <laughs> i would love to say That's it was for, for anything else but right now like my uh my oldest is kind of interested and my youngest is more interested in crypto stuff so um you know they're not interested in it but you know i i, I don't have any pretenses to like i don't know when i'm gonna die so But I would love to like if one day they say, hey, you know, I'm really interested in this real estate stuff. My dad's got these books. Maybe I can pick it up and hear his voice again. Right. And uh, so to me, that's that's a lot of why I've done that, to be able to have um, other people pick it up, but particularly my um, my kids. Right. I want them to be able to see, yeah, this is how you this is how he did it. I can do it too or i can take what he's built and then continue to grow it instead of, you know, buy ferraris and stuff like that. Maybe you can still buy ferraris, but then, you know, <laughs> with other people's other money, stuff. you know? Yeah. yeah,
2: with cash flow, right? So, <laughs> yeah.
1: They, they don't want a Ferrari, they they want a Tesla.
0: No, look, the youngest one wants a Ferrari. The oldest one he doesn't care. He could have like a like a like a Honda Civic that be- like barely moves and as long as it gets them from a to b, he'd be fine. <laughs>
2: So one, one thing that I think everyone's talking about right now is interest rates. Interest yep. rates are going up. How does that affect a real estate investor? And, and compare that to how that would uh, affect the end user buyer out there.
0: Yeah, it's a little challenging for sure, because nobody can predict, although we would love to say that we can predict the direction of how things go. We, we don't know what the future is going to hold. Um, what I often ask investors to do is stress test their portfolio so they, they can go and take a look at, you know, what they're buying and uh, what they already have and look at the 10 year rate and plug the 10 year rate into their calculations, the 10 year um, because we in Canada we have a 10 year rate. So we can look at that as a way to be able to hedge against any changes um, but be able to, to figure out okay, in a, an investment scenario, what would that look like? And will this property still make sense that in that, porf- that time frame? Um, From the residential end user perspective, it is going to be a challenge because I I still believe that although you may have interest rates going up, there's still a lot of pressure on housing supply and demand. And I think that we are going to see a push up of prices over time. Uh, I don't think you can... Um, print the amount of money that we've done in the last two years and expect anything different. Um, I mean, we've taken the money supply in, in Canada, the total money supply ever existed in Canada, and increased it 40%. I don't think you can expect that's the total money supply ever created has been increased 40%. Now you can try to destroy some of that money supply with quantitative tightening, but with the quantitative easing that we've done over the last two years, really all we're going to see is increases in, um, in asset prices. And I'm not just talking about, and then on top of that, you have supply chain issues all of this stuff. So yes you can you can uh, increase interest rates but unless you like you're kind of like attacking the symptom but not attacking the actual illness, like what the problem is, right? And those high interest rates or trying to push up the interest rate is trying to quell something that's not there. So like in in the past, when you were trying to push up interest rates, it's because GDP was out of control, right? Like you've got, we don't have that. And We also have a very high savings rate, the highest we've ever seen. I can't remember. I saw a stat recently, like in 20 years. So we have this high savings rate. So that means that we can pay for higher interest rates up to a point. Right. And then we also have, um, you know, a GDP that isn't there. We're not seeing the same sort of growth that we've seen in the past. So what ends up happening, like, um, is that you start to push up interest rates, people stop borrowing and the and then the economy slows down. Um, you know, we've seen in the past, I, and I don't think people understand that we've moved from like a money based economy to a credit based economy. Right and mm-hmm. when money based economy was like you know you have money in the bank savings and the more savings you have then then you know because of uh, you know, you put money in the bank, and because the money is now in the bank, they can lend more money. That's not how it works anymore. We don't even have fractional reserve lending anymore in the same ways that we had. Now, what we have is a lot of money that's put into the the banks to be able to allow them to grow. Right, that growth comes back into the economy with the banks lending, and then the and then through that lending, that's how we see, uh, especially uh, how how much of our GDP now comes from the real estate industry, as opposed to manufacturing, I, th- I think what we're going to see is a slowdown in the economy. We're going to see a recession come on. And when you see a recession come on, that's when we'll see what the actual government does. Because as soon as we start to hear those, you know, like two, two, um, two quarters of, uh, of negative uh, growth, contracting and, growth, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, now we, we, we're going to be in a decision, well, maybe we, we went too hard in one direction. And what and what, and what do they do
2: again. when the economy slows down with interest rates? Bring
0: them right? down again, right? <laughs> yeah. So, it's, so, yeah, I think that's the, the real challenge that we have here. We've got so much growth of credit in the system, and it has to go somewhere. And unfortunately, incomes do not keep up with that growth. Unless incomes doubled in that same two two-year period which they haven't we're going to see more disparity between the income uh, of different people and those who are asset owners versus non-asset owners so uh and it it's a scary thing because when you start to see that disparaging get bigger and bigger that's when you see like um, different things happen in um like amongst peoples, right? Yeah. That's what we've
2: never, we've never seen in Canada before. Right. And I think that that's what the scary part is, is everybody right now keeps playing the same song and dance. They said with the pandemic, they were like Spanish flu. And now with, you know, the way that the economy is going, you know, they talk about, you know, past, you know, inflationary periods or, you know, post-war stuff, different, different times where, or the 1990 uh, market crash, nothing is the same. We're in a whole new universe right now. There is nothing that anybody can actually pull data from history and say, like, this is how this is going to play out. But they keep trying to tie it back in, right? They they keep trying to say, well, because it happened this way before, this is what's going to happen again. And interest rates are going to go up like the 1980s. And I remember when my parents, no way. No, yeah, you're right. No, it's
1: way too fragile. Look, they, they didn't even raise the, the first quarter point before it was already unraveling, right? I mean, the, the market was already slowing before they had done anything. But but I think nowadays, uh, we were talking about it last week or the week before, but it, it's, it's us and people like us and everybody out there, 70,000 agents and all the investors and everybody talking about this all the time that makes for like, Quicker corrections, but I think in both directions, right? So so I mean, the sentiment had already changed before interest rates were coming into play. And now they're not attacking the pricing in the real estate market. They they are maybe visually or they're putting it that way so that they can gain votes. But right now it's like you can't stop inflation with a half a point or a quarter point or a point even right now. Wheat prices, food prices, gas prices, prices of everything. Like, what are they saying right now? 6.6% inflation rate, CPI rate. Like, tell me, okay, for something to be 6.6%, you need like a bunch of stuff more than 6.6 and some stuff under 6.6. Is there anything that hasn't gone up at least 6.6%, at least 12.6%. Like, what the fuck is 6.6%? So, so, so they're fighting something with these, like, we think in the real estate market, a half a point. Holy shit, that's going to fuck up the whole market for us right now. But it won't have the effect necessary on inflation. So they're, like, stuck here trying to not destroy the economy while the economy is just going to keep running away. What are these guys going to do?
0: yeah and, and you got to look at the like a couple of different things too like the producer prices and the producer price index and also like some of the commodities that we use that's kind of a base commodity so so for example you look at like two by fours and you look at wood prices and wood prices you know back before was 250 and and now a two by four is what closer to nine dollars like and so it's the, gone it's come off 35 percent from yeah, the yeah. high right yeah Exactly. And so like that's, those are the sort of things that you want to look at if you want to see where inflation is going. The other thing is, is that we have, we have many supply chain issues, right? Not only do we have products not coming in, we have really a few you know, major distributors in you know China who control who like the the um the amount of flow of containers that come in and come out and and it's almost like they have a a little mini monopoly there of who's coming in and out. They can control that and control the cost of that shipping. So it's very interesting and, and I don't think people kind of talk about that piece, but it's also like um you know you order a fridge. Okay. And you order a fridge in, you know, today, when do you think you're going to get that fridge? It could be the middle January. of next year. Yeah. could be not yeah the middle of next year. Better like,
1: start buying your Christmas it, presents yeah. now, see, guys.
0: See, and that's not, that's not necessarily, you know, can be fixed by higher interest rates. It, it can't. But what, what happens in that situation is I have money, right? So I, you know, that fridge costs a thousand dollars, but I go to a guy who works in the store and says listen if you can get me that fridge today i'll give you fifteen hundred dollars for that fridge right because i know i can do i know i can do that and they'll they'll move mountains to be able to figure out like where they can pull that fridge who who they can
2: delay and and you can take their fridge Um, i'm sorry mrs smith uh, there was a problem with your delivery we uh, opened up
1: and inspected it for you because we'd give great customer service and there's a scratch on your fridge we're gonna have to we're going to have to order you another one. It's going to be another eight months. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and they and- say there's no room. They say, sorry, we don't have room on the shipment, which means someone was willing. I talked to someone in the trucking industry. It means someone was willing to pay more for your spot. Yeah. It fell yeah. off
1: the truck.
0: Yeah. exactly and see and this is where where we where we end up and then we somebody knows that they're going to be able to pay more and so the price goes up as well right so there's other other ways that that, that kind of comes through when when we're doing things and on that um, on
2: that note though quindon just to sort of tie in this point here so wouldn't that be a transitory form of inflation then like this is what benjamin tall's going on about right he's saying with 65 percent of the inflation that we're seeing right now is still that transitory supply chain stuff where, you know, a 50% increase in refrigerators because one guy can pay more than the next because there's some sort of distribution issue down in, you know, wherever that, that to me doesn't seem like that's going to last forever. And eventually they're going to be able to get a truckload of fridges and everyone's going to say $1,500 for a fridge. I don't think so. Right. I want a thousand dollar fridge. Like it was advertised when I bought it a couple of years ago. Right. So is that going to have a huge impact on that CPI when when a lot of this stuff gets, uh, you know, resolved or or suppliers and manufacturers and retailers all just going to take advantage and keep the prices just like the wood companies have done, the lumber, the lumber mills have done. Right. Why, Why is that lumber price still so inflated? Right. Because they can't make enough of it still. They
1: can't keep up. They can't keep the lumber yards full. Yeah, and, it, and you know it, what happens is you get a you get like a train load of, of of lumber in, but it doesn't have two by four studs on it. So you have to back order the, the, the material to make the walls and like it, it's a spiraling effect. It's like or the lumber yard's so smart. They're like, you know what? The price of two by fours is so high. We're just not buying them. Right. We'll yeah. wait a bit until the price comes off. That's what I mean. That's, yeah. that's- and it slows down everything. And guess what that does to the price of a house? Right. It might bring down the price of lumber temporarily, but the price of the house goes up while everybody's waiting for
0: supply. Yeah, we see like in, in projects sometimes that nobody can find uh like a a PEX 40, like a 90 degree elbow all of a sudden. Like yeah. you go to a whole bunch and nobody has so. Do it in what copper is... go 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 that one, that
2: one piece yeah i know plumbing fixtures especially that was yeah. that was a big electro uh, copper prices and stuff like that too so a uh, lot electrical equipment and fixtures too we, we when we
1: bought our fridge we went into the store and we were like what do you have that is this width and this finish and we can take it today and
0: we had like three choices yeah, that's, it's it's kind of crazy. And, and, and most I, people and I, go
1: in, they want this particular fridge. They've been dreaming about this particular fridge. And I want, honey, I've been waiting for this fridge. You promised me I was going to get this Sub Zero fridge. Blah 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 blah. You got to wait twenty four months.
0: Yeah, it'll it'll take a long time for sure. I I don't think that prices are going to come down afterwards as well. I don't see that as something that that anybody would would do
1: have you seen so. that current map of all the uh boats waiting to be loaded in, in china right now have you seen that thing It's like dots everywhere like hundreds and hundreds of boats waiting to be loaded because they've shut down the entire like province right it's like 400 million oh, people COVID. in china yeah it's all, because of it's covid all now down. like yeah. right now so like yeah. we we it technically is a transitory inflation but it's like today it's not a transitory thing like that the, the the chains are too fucked up and too fragile so are they gonna like start making everything locally again or are we are we gonna wait like two more years for this to clean itself up imagine what prices are if, if it takes another two years to clean up the supply chain like my i have a buddy i and i talked to him he, he's a partner of mine and I and I call him all every week and I'm like, well, how's your supply chain? He goes, I have a year's worth of inventory here. I need another warehouse. And he goes, We're bursting at the seams because I brought in everything I could from China now, because I don't think I'm gonna be able to get it again. And I don't want to deal with this again.
2: Those so warehousing happened- prices, warehousing prices are are through the roof. Cause well, I think I- everybody did that. Right. So what happens when everybody's
1: like overstocked all of a sudden and they need to get the shit out of the warehouse?
0: Uh, Maybe that'll maybe that'll affect prices. I don't know. I I, I just don't think that we have enough of the we we have those three fridges, but I don't think we have enough of all the other fridges. So the choice, the amount of choice that people will have is going to be going down. Right. And a lot of North Americans have a lot more choice than most people around the world. I don't think people understand that or realize it. But, you know, usually if you, like if you go to a store in another country, you don't often see, you know, 20 different types of chips. Right. You may see like two or three. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think perhaps one of the things that may, may go to the, to the sidelines is the, the number of choices that we have on the different products that are available. Like, and, like Frito,
2: uh, Frito-Lay's at uh, Loblaws right? <laughs> yeah. Right. There's different. What do you mean I little... can't
1: get Lay's chips? What is going on?
2: <laughs> these, these are all the things. So I, I want to talk, I want to hear about all the stuff that Quentin's up to right now. So we had a, a good new construction uh, real estate broker uh, last week. So he was just talking about pre-construction prices and the cost of construction and land and all that kind of stuff. So when you're looking at multifamily buildings, I mean, one, there's only so many that exists. Yeah. Two. The ones that would be constructed today are going to be 2022 construction prices. Yeah. Right. How does that factor into your guys' decisions when you look at you know the uh, you know the upside in you know commercial multifamily buildings?
0: I'm, I'm always purchasing below construction cost when it comes to any of the assets that I'm I'm purchasing right now. And it's something that people don't talk about, but it's not the number one reason for me to be able to purchase something. I'm really looking at the asset, the cap rate and my interest rate, and I want to see a spread between the interest rate that I'm purchasing at the cap rate that I'm able to get on a particular asset. So that makes um, uh, a big difference into what I purchase and and when I purchase it. Um, The challenge, of course, is being able to find that particularly like I've I've never bought an apartment building on Off of the MLS. So it's all been through relationships and, and, you know, different ways that I've gone about purchasing buildings, sometimes referrals from different people, um, just uh, broker relationships, things like that. And uh, that's how I've purchased all the buildings that we've been able to purchase. So um, I don't often get into a bidding match when it comes to different sorts of assets sometimes, but not often. And um, it it makes a difference for us when we're we're moving forward uh, to ensure that the numbers make sense on the building. So I'm looking for um, an asset that makes sense from purchase and that we can carry out the business plan on. So
2: is, is you know, Toronto to see... ever gonna have is Toronto ever gonna have no, a building I, don't, I haven't bought to. anything no
0: <laughs> I, don't, I haven't right? bought a building in Toronto and I have no plans on doing it now it's you not to say that it's... A... what
2: are their strategies what are these guys strategies like what is you know the big players there who will remain nameless what are they doing in Toronto what what is their they're, bet,
0: they're probably betting on appreciation, looking at cap rate compression as a component of that. I don't know how you can get a sub two cap rate up to or lower than sub two. But, uh, you know, that's this is what they're looking at. They're putting more uh, money into the project or looking to do some sort of value add creation, like a, a build component to it, higher density, land assembly, and then uh, uh, creation of something that's different, that makes more sense in Toronto. Uh, but you also have to have the patience and, and time to be able to do it because working through the Toronto uh, red tape could take you, take you years. I've had uh, friends who have, uh, like a, a townhouse complex with land on the side they were they were working to um, to build a, a large rental unit building on the land at the side they spent uh, five hundred thousand dollars in three years going through the process and they just threw their hands up and said I'm not doing this anymore because the Toronto process was so cumbersome and they wanted so many changes that it made no more sense to do that building anymore. So if you're going to be in that space, you really need to understand the, um, the dynamics of how to work with the city to make it happen and have very big pockets to do it. That's why you often see bigger developers, right, in, in that space. But if you're taking doing land And then taking it and making it much higher, uh, higher density, then something like that makes sense in Toronto. But buying an existing building at a two cap is where you you put money to keep it safe. So I would say you're probably looking at overseas money that want to keep their their dollars safe in in a country. They expect lower
2: returns. Well,
0: let me ask you, how much do you get in the bank?
2: less than what those guys Minus. are getting from investing with uh, the these multi-family Toronto. First, yeah. <laughs> there you go. See, yeah. So
0: that, that, and that's the difference, right? So if you, if you're looking at safety versus uh, uh, growth, then that's a a different way of looking at it. There's growth there, but it's, and it's growth more than a bank account, uh, but it's also, you know, something different. So every, like everything that you do in real estate, you do it for whatever end goals you have. My goals in my, in my asset class where I'm doing repositioning of existing buildings is to take the, the building value from where it is now to a higher building value so that I can refinance the asset and then pay back my investors, their initial investment, but then continue to own the asset and then refinance it again sometime in the future. And I've been able to do that successfully on buildings since 2015. So I've got the track record to be able to do that. What's that
2: partnership partnership agreement, just sort of high level, the partnership agreement that you would have with investors or or other, other partners?
0: Yeah, so there's a couple of different structures that you would use. I typically will just have a separate corporation that that owns the asset and then we would have a shareholders agreement or a joint venture agreement that that sits behind the corporate agreement or sort of the corporation and that they would own the asset directly with shares into the into the building you could also do an lp gp kind of structure where you would have the um, the shares of the the building are owned by the lps who bring the the funds to the project and the gp controls the um the business plan to ensure that it's carried forward so it just depends on on what you're doing and the the structures that you that you um that makes the most sense for the asset if you if you have a small building you're probably going to want to do like a corporate structure rather than an lpgp Um, but if you're dealing with like a high net worth individual outside of an accredited investor you may have a high net worth individual that's that wants an lpgp versus a you know, that corporate structure, then you would do something differently, but it really depends on the, the, um, the asset class. Right. Um, and, and then what your business plan is and how long it's going to take you to, to, um, to implement. Right. So. But um, but your
2: investors are owning the asset uh, long-term unless they want to sell yeah. their shares. Yeah. But the plan well, is not to have them exit all in
0: three years or get exit. No.
2: Okay,
0: I and I I don't um I what I do is I I talk to people before they even get involved with me. I'll usually take like a fifteen minute call with them, and I'll like I I'm I'm not about this like try to get as many people as possible. I'm trying to find the right person who has the same mindset as me right and that are into it for the long term I, if you want if you want quick money like uh, like to flip projects and you know make money in six months or whatever the promise is it's not me you're fine. it's not it's not going to be me but if you're looking for a, a good long-term relationship you know with a business plan that that's going to be somebody that i'm going to work with and uh, they they stay in the projects like i have why would i Why would I get rid of my golden goose? Like, why would I sell my properties? You know, like I would rather hold on to those buildings and the people that own it kind of have like a coupon that keeps paying them. And then we refinance again in a couple of years and they get a bigger amount that comes to them and and they've already got all their funds out. Right. And so that's, that's typically how I work. I can, I give you an example. Like I, I I just did one last month. So uh, we had, I bought this uh, 12 unit building in Oshawa with a partner. We bought it for 1.75 million. I had a VTB of 1.3 million. And we got it uh, reappraised this year and we, uh, it was reappraised so that the new value was uh, $2.65 million, and then we got a mortgage of $1.83 million. So that means that my partner got back his $500,000, right? He continues to own uh, 50% of the building. And now he can go and what he actually did was invested those funds into two other projects that I closed on as well. So he he reinvested it. And now he still owns 50% of it. He still gets the cash flow from that asset. We'll continue to implement our business plan of turning over units. And then we'll refinance that property again, let's say in three years, um, at let's say 4 million. So then, you know, 4 million will bring our, our, our mortgage up to, let's say, like, uh, um, let's say 3 million. And then we will split the 1.3 million or one point, whatever the, the, the spread is there, 50-50, right? So hold it, on. What's, it, the, what's the cash flow on, on that thing? So a cash, see, I think that you have to be careful when you're looking at apartment buildings. I think people look at them wrong. So they look at it like the cash flow is something that you're going to be able to spend in a month. I'll, you know, I maybe make like, let's say a thousand bucks a month off of that type of a building from a cash flow perspective. But that's not why I'm buying it. I'm buying it because in year three, I'm going to refinance it and pull out. So what are you doing?
1: What are you doing between closing and year three that forces all that appreciation? Yeah, so
0: we're we're turning over units, so we'll take uh, like uh, some of the units, and this is this is a problem that's been created by um, rent control, right? So rent control has caused this problem, but and it's the solution that I'm providing is that when we're turning over units or paying out units to turn over, we're able to raise the rent from let's say a thousand dollars a month to uh, a thousand say $700 a month. So that means that $700 is going to affect the value of a building. Okay. So if we, if we do it, like from a calculation perspective, if I take um, an asset and I raise turnover one unit, for, by seven hundred dollars and I multiply that by twelve it's eight thousand four hundred dollars and I divided by the cap rate so the cap rate in Oshawa, from market cap rate is three, that, but I would say that CMHC will use a four. So I'll use a four cap rate. So that means that that one unit will have increased the value of the building $210,000. Okay. So how many do I have to do in order to push my value up? Because remember, uh, an apartment building's value is based on net operating income, not in comparison, like a comparative analysis right it's not about what the property sold across the street maybe when you're selling it but not necessarily it's really a based on the net, net operating income so i can continue to carry out my business plan and then three years later do the same thing i've i've refinanced the building three times and pulled out additional so my, what i the way that i do it is that i'm looking at owning a number of buildings and I have a ladder where I'm refinancing each year. So this year I'll refinance three or four buildings. Next year I'll refinance three or four buildings. And instead of the cash flow that you're thinking about, because you're thinking like, oh, does it make $500,000, $2,000 a month? I'm thinking I'm going to pull out $300,000, $400,000 per building. Would you rather have $1,000 per month? or 300,000, 400,000 per building. So I think that, that people have to be careful on, on how you look at an asset and what you're looking at it for. Yes, it has to cash flow because it's like a business. And if your business is losing every money, uh, money every month, it, it's not really a good business to be in. But as long as the business carries itself, the inherent value of the building is different or business is different than the cash flow, right? Um, so Toronto
2: con- so cr- Toronto condo owners are not running good businesses is that what you're saying? Yeah yeah <laughs> so but how so how many times that's a hobby that? it's not a
0: business so that's good let's be, no good don't worry
2: let, I,
1: I'm, let's, I'm with you. let's be yeah.
0: clear here yeah i a, a, that is not a business that is a hobby you can't own 10 of those and and be okay right because you're speculating on the future value of that asset it's not a business okay mm-hmm. so um and and that's something that i i feel kind of uh uh, very strongly about, because I, I want to see people be able to grow. how how many can you of those can you buy even if you earn a two hundred thousand dollars a year? How many can of those can you buy before the bank says get lost, right? Yeah. not many, not many. But right. if you bought those that maybe had a debt coverage ratio of one point one carried itself, how many of those could you buy before the bank said no? Probably like ten or fifteen or even more, because those are little businesses that carry themselves, right? And so, and that's the difference. These guys, um, although I appreciate what they're doing, I think they're getting sold something by somebody who has a, uh, you know, uh, is is kind of like uh, looking at, you know, um, like a casino. Like how much money can this casino give me? Right. It's a speculative speculation of what the future value is, not the fact that it's a little business that makes sense to purchase. And and the reason
2: I brought that up is because I think that everybody treats the real estate uh, asset classes the same. So they say, Oh, the real estate market's affected. And you know, Sarah, Sarah and Johnny are buying their, you know, little townhouse in Pickering. And if the market goes up or down, they can be affected. And then, you know, pre-construction condos are, are going to be affected because we won't be able to close. Now we've got this assignment tax. Uh, the guy who's been buying resale condos over the last few years and his negative flow, you know, he's going to be affected because, you know, if the economy changes and he, he can't refinance or cash out, this is going to be a, a major issue. But to me, the safest place to invest money is commercial multifamily properties. Because it really doesn't matter about what the market's doing, like you said, with your net operating income, it depends on what type of income is being generated by those suite, who's managing it. Are these are these properties cash flowing or not? The market going up or down is irrelevant, right? right. And, when, yeah. and, when you, and when you look at um, uh, an, econ- an economic situation, if the economy is bad, guess what everybody's doing? They're renting. Yeah, they, they need to rent rents, rents are strong because now the housing prices are down. No one wants to buy. Everyone's like sheep. When the prices are low, and no one wants to buy. Prices are high. Oh, it's a good time to buy.
0: Right. You know, and, and my my answer to that is compared to what? Right. When you say com- when it's high, compared to what? To to oil barrels, to, to gold bars. Yeah. compared to what to like cheesy
2: bags to, to like yesterday to what right <laughs> to, and, to yesterday but, that's what they but, compared to
0: but that's the problem I think that yeah. that people are, are looking at it as if the dollar is maintaining its value from yesterday to today and the dollar is actually going down in value right how much was a house in 1970 75 thousand 34
2: thousand.
0: What, what, was uh, alive,
2: yeah. Yeah. right?
0: right. <laughs> so, oh man, what are you saying? Hey, I'm well, just saying I, I, don't okay, so I don't remember. <laughs> no. right? so I, I, I don't remember. I don't have any but, uh, experience but, but, okay. that, but I that. Compare that same house to today. Yeah. Has Eight that, is that million? Yeah, it could, like I can say that it's probably like between you know thirty-four thousand and like one point two million. Has that house changed? Is there is the bricks any different in that house? Is there anything different in that house that makes it one point two million? Sometimes you can buy that house and it looks the same as it did, way yeah. back when. So yeah. I, I'll tell you what what did happen during that time: the dollar actually went down in value. The house didn't go up in value. If you try to if you try to think about it differently, and most people will never do it if you try to think about it differently, then you'll understand what's happening and what we did in the last two years and how significant that is going to be to what, what asset values will do over time. We, we injected 40% of the multi, the money supply in two years. There is no way you can tell me that the value of that property is going to be the same. Like from even from 19, you've got to remember, we've created more money supply than from 1970 to today in two years. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: That asset price from 1970 to you already told me, or I told you it went from 35,000 to 1.2 million. You tell me how that's going to stay the same. I I can't do it if you look at it from the value of the money that we have. So I think that we have some real systemic challenges that people aren't addressing. And I think that we are, you know, we've kind of pushed it to the side because we needed to because of, of COVID. And now we're dealing with the repercussions, which will be being dealt with for a long time. And it's not just Canada that did this, this is what is different. Many countries did the same thing. Many countries did the same thing. So, it's in, so in unison, we're moving in the same direction. So I, I, I can't see anything but the, the direction going that way. Now, you can do whatever you want with interest rates. And I see like you could keep raising interest rates and it will not make what you'll see is less and less people, just like during COVID, less and less people putting their 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 property up for sale. Like that's that's what you will see. And then you'll you'll see the same thing is lesser people competing against fewer properties, right? Because if you if if you feel that you can't go and purchase the next property, you probably won't sell the property that you have if you're moving up. Right mm-hmm. now, the pre-construction stuff is a little bit if different. you're
1: worried that you can't afford your refinance when it comes due.
0: There's yeah, going to be a mess of those, though. No? I would think so. In the, like in the near three years or two years, four years. OK, so then what I would suggest to you is go back and look at interest rates for the last 50 years and you tell me what direction they're going in. Well, so look, what, like go back and look at historical It is a huge it's a wedge. Okay. And the wedge goes down this way, right? Sure. It's a downward sloping wedge. And yeah, that just is for the like last 50 years. So, so even if we go up, Along what the happens bottom. if there's a recession? Do you think they're going to bo- boost interest rates again? Because <laughs> remember... Yeah, we're, we're, we're a credit based economy. And when credit starts to slow, we're going to see a recession happen. We've already seen the yield curve invert slightly in March, right? And, and when we see that inversion, that's usually a precursor to a recession. Now, do I know when the recession is going to happen? Could be in 2023, could be in, two, I, I don't predict the future. I'm just, I look at what I think is, is going to happen. And Could that mean that interest rates go up? Yes. Could it mean it goes up higher this year? Yes. Maybe June, maybe September. But what happens when we move into a recession? Right. What what we'll find is we're going to start to see a lot of different different changes happen. And you know what? Uh, What is this? The house price? uh, RBC has got a new report
2: now where they've basically changed their outlook. Right, they're gonna say, Oh, hang on a second, guys. We're noticing some shifts here. Rates are higher. We don't want you to use the information we gave you six months ago against us, and we'll probably provide you new information in three months. But here's our information for today. But That's now they're saying, saying,
1: You know, they know when prices are gonna fall, it seems,
0: <laughs> right? Like CMHC maybe in 2020, right? Oh, that was so, so, but yeah. okay, Wasn't so but this is the
1: thing, right? <laughs> so,
0: nobody can predict the future. No, no but
1: we have all of these economists and we have all these models. And even what you just touched on this, this inversion of the curve. And and this is an environment that nobody can predict. Like there is so many upwards pressures on pricing. It is crazy. And like, like you said, 40% of the money supply in two years, like this is unheard of territory here. While we have a world war and a pandemic still raging through, while we have the, the, the uh, you know, the reserve currency being challenged by other countries at the moment, like there's a lot of major shit going on right now that like any, first of all, most economists that make predictions are wrong at least 50% of the time. now they have all this in the mix that nobody has a clue plus on top of all that all these technologies converging and all these new kind of concepts and construction ideas like the world's going to be a very different place in three four five years and people are making predictions based on like archaic models and archaic systems like like you're saying money is not the same as it was in the 70s it was for sure it isn't even the same as it was in early 2000s
0: yeah you know what i'll give you a quick joke here so an economist says um you know standing at the side of a a lake and says okay yeah you can you can go out and and walk across the lake and and you're gonna you're gonna drown or you're not gonna drown you'll be fine you can walk out you know the 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 lake the average depth is two feet (laughs) so the so the guy walks out average drowns (laughs) walked in the wrong cause, spot cause, huh? yeah. but the but the economist says
2: the average jabber is two feet so yeah. right there's so, there's lie there's lies there's damn lies and then there's statistics yeah right
0: so yeah and and, and I, I don't i don't mean headline. that to insult economic uh economists out there i just think that it's important to understand and i look at all the different signs but i prepare for both sides right and if i'm a if you're a deflationist then hold on to your cash. Okay? If you feel that there's going to be deflation, then you should put as much money as you can in the bank because that 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 money is going to be worth more. Okay? <laughs> that's that's what yep. that's what that's what a deflationist believes. Yep. Yep. If you believe in inflation, you need to invest those dollars into assets. I don't care what they are. Go buy silver bars. Go buy like uh, watches, go buy, you know, uh, fancy cars, go go buy real estate, what go about buy stag- some sort of Stagflation.
1: What do you do in a stagflationary environment?
0: Stagflation still means that we're, we're going to have inflation, but no a GDP growth. growth right. Exactly. right? Yeah. And so that means that those assets are still going up. So that means that you would still want to buy assets. What you don't, where you don't want to have assets is in a deflationary environment. So decide. <laughs> do you believe in deflation or do you be, I believe in inflation? I believe that the value of the dollar is going to continue to go down. They're going to do what they've done for the last umpteen uh, decades. And, um, and in order for me to benefit that, I want to own hard assets. And I own another thing that I want to own is debt because the value of my debt is going down. And I have a lot of debt. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so that and you, don't those lose, you don't lose
2: sleep over it. Not at all. Not yeah. at all. Because I, I, it pays I for itself. Yeah. 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 You stress well, test it. You've you've put, uh, you know, put everything into a spreadsheet to look at where you're at. And uh, that's come over time, too. I'm sure your mindset's changed over the last few years. We're, we're coming to the end of the show, but I want to kind of give uh, everybody a little bit more I Can't believe
1: it! This is the first time in a long time, a that I've been relatively quiet, and b that I looked down
2: and said, "Holy shit, we don't still have a lot of show to." to we can cover. get we can get Quentin back in, in the future. That's okay. <laughs> what a great um, discussion! So, Thank you. So, pe- people who want to find you, so you've had you've had you've had a great success in uh, your real estate investment career. It's still going. You're still growing. You're still you're still finding some great deals in a in a market where many people say that can't be done. Uh, where do people find you, Quentin?
0: I mean, you can you can find me on the Instagram. That's true, Qman REI. My link tree is up there. Uh, if you go to Qman REI on uh, uh, link, uh, tr.ee slash Qman REI, and uh, you can connect with me there. That's probably the best way to to find me. Or if you're interested in, uh, oh, the, the um, podcast. The Give podcast, GetRealWealthy.com. <laughs>
2: yeah. Get Real Wealthy. All right. I'm trying to press that. Oh, and don't yeah. forget
0: the books. The books. Yeah, got lots of books available on Amazon. If you wanna, if you're, PK, you're looking, you need the, a book. <laughs> if you're looking for the uh, the the direction that I've taken, you can instead of paying me hundreds of dollars, you could just read a book for thirty bucks, and you can you can uh, get my mindset that's already there.
2: Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much. We we had a great time talking to you. I hope, Quinton we can time. get you back on the show in the future. Uh, get a market update, get an uh, update on your progress and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Last really question, appreciate-
1: though. What will the Bank of Canada raise rates to in June?
0: I think that if we have a, 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 like a stagflationary kind of position, that they will be forced to not raise rates. Not but- raise Ooh. rates. I took that stance last
1: time and I got punched in the bush nuts. There you go. Yeah, I, I like it. All right, I like, I like it. it. You take so, a position and you run with it. Beautiful. I like it. I like brave.
0: It. Very brave. That's okay. I Let's that's, see how I it can't ages. do what I do.
1: I people are predicting, predicting a. People are predicting a point. Of some of these crazy people out there. A point. Yeah, and they, they also don't invest in real estate. Ninety-seven percent
0: oh. of the population doesn't. So I don't listen to them.
1: These are these are people that are renting basement apartments. And, and writing hoping articles. and praying and writing articles cuz they know the real estate market. And on that yeah. note, <laughs> everybody have a wonderful week. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack.